Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we've talked about players who are underrated, but today we're going to go a step further and talk about some underrated offenses overall. In CFF, it's system, 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 and these systems plainly just aren't getting enough love right now. To help us out, we have Chris Moxley from the C2C CFF team joining us. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, everyone, welcome in. This is Chasing the Natty, or this is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. I can't believe I messed that up. I, y'all, I'm so ashamed of myself. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to work on your Monday morning. We're actually recording this a little bit earlier than we typically would because uh, I got a very busy schedule ahead of me because I have work to drive to on Monday morning. I'm going to be moving down to Savannah this week, Savannah, Georgia. And so I got quite the busy weekend ahead of me of moving. So recording this a little early and, but that's okay because today's topic is going to be something that I feel like, you know, not much is going to super change, hopefully between now and Monday in regards to this topic. But to help us out today, we have Mr. Chris Moxley from the C2C CFF team. Chris, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. I'm, uh, you know, enjoy. We're said recording early. We're recording on Friday. Enjoying my uh, early start to the weekend. So I'm feeling good. Oh, yeah, that worked out really well because I was just like, "Hey, can we record on Friday?" And Chris was like, "Oh my god, that's the day I get off early." I'm just like, "Well, I'm gonna take advantage of that. That's perfect." So, yeah, it's pretty pretty fun stuff for us going on. Get on moving this weekend, but pretty much after we're done recording here and everything, I am going to be. Heading over to downtown Athens, we got Athfest this weekend. So like we got a lot of like music in town. Uh, we got like people out, um, vendors and stuff like that who come around only just once a year. Pretty cool stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go enjoy that at least for tonight, and then tomorrow is the big moving day and packing day for me. So. But even so, I mentioned earlier that we're going to be talking about offensive systems here today. Again, I've said over and over again for you guys that system is key in CFF. We all love the Zach Kitleys of the world. We all love the Lincoln Rileys of the world. We all love these guys that consistently produce for us year after year. It really makes projecting who's going to do well, even with so many guys moving off to the NFL any given year. It helps us produce like who's going to step up, what kind of players they like. But... Chris and I, and as well, I'm going to give credit to Mitch Hart here as well. He's the one who kind of inspired this idea for this episode. Kind of noticed that some of these typically uh, well-run systems for CFF are kind of flying under the radar this year. A lot of people just not taking their shots on them, especially kind of later in drafts. So we're going to fix that today. We're going to talk about a lot of these offensive systems that I think people really need to be paying attention a little bit more to. Uh, but first, we, before we get too far into this, let me give you guys my spiel. You guys know my spiel. If you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Love talking to you guys down there in the comments. If you are listening to this on podcast, make sure you 
follow us wherever you're listening, as well as leave a five-star review if the platform allows you to do that. And a little written review is always welcome. I love reading your guys' little comments in there. Again, just take five, ten seconds. It doesn't have to be Shakespeare or anything like that. Uh, it's just always nice to see little reviews. And then constructing criticism, also welcome as always as well. In addition, we are part of the CFF team here at Campus of Canton. It is myself, Chris Moxley, right there above me, Nate Marquise, and Brandon Sanders. We bring you guys podcasts, articles, rankings for CFF, CFF ADP, more and even more than that. Uh, we got the draft predictor tool that we got going on right now. Absolutely love stuff like that. And again, we got tons of great content on the way, specifically the CFF guide, which is going to be available to you guys in early July. Chris has been an absolute savior on that with the amount of hard work he has been putting into that. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell some of the people out there what your favorite part about working on that CFF guide has been? Because you've been doing a lot of the team profiles and the player profiles. Yeah, I really like... um understanding how an entire offense fits together. And I don't think you have a lot of opportunity to do that in traditional rankings. And when you're talking about players and kind of the same idea of this show today, right? I want to know how many returning offensive line starters a team had and who their coach was, what their neutral game script pass rate was, what the average line yards per play they were, how good was this offensive line last season? And do we expect it to be the same? All of those questions are stuff that you can get out of our uh, team profiles. And I, it, it's really challenging to find that for college fantasy um, at an analytical level. So I'm, I'm really happy that we're bringing some of that forward. Yeah. Some of the stats we have involved with each team is perfect. And it like not only helps you understand like why some systems work so well in CFF, but also explains why some don't. Uh, again, some of it is just the player personnel that they have, but also when you have a team that runs the ball consistently and we project uh, or they try to run the ball consistently, but we also project their O-line to not be very successful in terms of generating yards. That's just going to be a bad offense overall to not really, you're not going to really want to invest too much into. Uh, again, I've been doing a lot of the um, player profiles and everything, but I've also been reading and editing a lot of the stuff that Chris, Nate, Brandon, all of them have been putting together. And it's just been so much fun. Like even I, again, a lot of y'all think I'm like this know-it-all expert, but like I'm learning from reading all these different breakdowns of these teams and players and stuff like that as I edit it. It is so much fun, y'all. I think you're gonna absolutely love it and dig into it. It's gonna have breakdowns for all 131 teams in FBS this year. Uh, so it's not just gonna focus on the good, and it's not gonna just focus on the good systems, it's gonna focus on the good, the bad, and the ugly systems. And then we're also going to be providing player profiles for the top players at each position and we're going to break down some rankings even further than that. So it's going to be worth every dollar that you put into it. So very much looking forward to that. With that being said, I pretty much brings us to the end of our spiel. Oh, I forgot about the awesome C2C lineup that we have in terms of our podcast every week. You have us, of course, Chase and Daddy on Mondays. On Tuesdays, you have Campus Life with Austin, Nason, Colin Decker. That is the college side of the Campus Canton podcast. On Wednesdays, you have Debbie Debate live streamed on YouTube with Matt bruning felix sharp austin nace and the above chris moxley where they just kind of go on there and sometimes it's a very civil debate and sometimes it's them yelling at each other for an hour and a half it's great i love it uh and then on thursdays you have the canton bound podcast with austin nace and colin decker that's the nfl side of the flagship podcast and then you also have the official with alpha fernandez been doing an awesome job getting interviews from different players in the 2023 class 
And then Fridays, you have the Future Freshman Podcast with Brandon Sanders. Uh, he just did a mailbag this past week. Absolutely go check it out. Some great questions in there. And also, he interviewed freshman running back Zach Evans. A great interview. Absolutely go check it out. So, with that being said, Chris, I think it's about time we actually get into some of these offensive systems that too many people are looking over. So, let's do it. All right. Let's start off here. Our first one we have on board is the North Texas Mean Green. Chris, I'm gonna let you start off on this one. Give me the give me the pitch for the North Texas Mean Green offense in 2022. Uh, Austin Un isn't probably the starter for the full year. That's that's the that's where we start. Uh, they brought in transfer Grant Gannell from Memphis. He uh, lost the job in spring to Seth Hennigan. I do think that's a case of. You know, Hedigan has a lot more time. Flash is a true freshman. Do you really want to hand it over to Gunnell? Anyway, he goes to North Texas, and he's a much better quarterback than Noon is. Last year, uh, he completed uh, – or two years ago, he completed 65% of his uh, passes. Noon completed 51% of his passes in 2021 with one of the country's worst adjusted yards per pass attempt at 5.99. That is almost impossible to do. Yep. Complete that few passes with that low of um, uh, yards per attempt. It's insane. Gannell will push the ball more downfield. You saw Roderick Burns be productive last year. He posted over 800 yards, and that was on a really bad offense. They're fast-paced, 79.5 plays per game by the country last season. I think this can be a much better team considering Jair Shore is coming back. They do lose their their main running back from last season, um, but they do get Oscar Attaway back, and they do get Ragsdale back. Yes, I think this offense could drastically outperform what they did last year. Yeah, and I think the other part of it is that they like we mentioned Grant Cannell, just a much better passer, and it's not like they don't have receiving talent that he can't take advantage of. Roderick Burns, I think, has been one of your favorite guys of this offseason. I know you had him up in your, I think you had him at wide receiver 14 at one point, if I remember correctly, Chris. Yeah, I, I'm really bullish on this offense. And I, I, you know, there's been a couple people skeptical, skeptical of his role. I still really like him, but yeah. But even if you don't like Burns, I mean, Jair Shorter, maybe we are a year early on him. Uh, again, I think that had a lot more to do with him just getting injured and Austin Oon just not being a very good quarterback. So maybe we were a year early on him. Um, Damon Ward was another wide receiver for them last year that I think could easily take a step forward this year. Tommy Bush is another uh, former four-star wide receiver that transferred there from Georgia. He got injured a little bit last year as well, so he didn't really get his time to shine, but maybe he finally takes a step forward. Again, almost all of these guys, pretty much to the exception of Burns, are going undrafted in most leagues. So if you really want a piece of this offense, just take a shot on a guy or two near the end of your drafts. Absolutely. And if you're not going to, take a or definitely keep a lookout for them on the waiver wire after your season has started. And Chris, you mentioned DeAndre Torrey last year. Uh, he's gone, obviously, but you get Oscar Attaway back and you get uh, Ragsdale back as well. Last year, the main running back for for this North Texas team, Torrey, ran for 1,215 yards and 13 touchdowns on 248 attempts. 248 attempts, that's an insane volume right there. Even if it's not a great yards per carry, that's still pretty awesome right there. So I'll ask you, who out of those two running backs would you say is the one to take a shot on, Ragsdale or Oscar Attaway? I would put my chips on Attaway as of now. I see a lot of people wanting to draft Ragsdale, um, especially in Canvas Canyon Leagues. 
I think I still want Attaway. I still think he's the guy that that has the experience, that has uh, production. Ragsdale was good last year in a limited role. I just, I don't know. And I don't know how much this offense is going to run again. I don't know if we see a main bat get 250 carries. They ranked 116th last year in neutral game script pass rate because, you know, the quarterback play was really, really bad. Really bad. Um, so I, I do expect them to throw a good amount more of Grant Canell's behind uh, center. But I mean, this offensive line is quality too. So there's value at the running back position. I'm just targeting Attaway. No, I think that's absolutely absolutely fair. And like you mentioned before, they're they're getting close to 80 plays per game in this offense each and every game. So even if you don't, even if they take a little bit of setback in the rushing a little bit, there's still gonna be plenty of volume there. Uh, they're still gonna be uh, trucking along each time. So I think that pretty much comes to the end of my notes for this offense. Chris, you have anything else you want to mention about the mean green before we move on? Um they also brought in transfer Jay Macklin, and I think that's kind of an interesting name for Missouri. Yes. Uh, I think he could be the wide receiver three there. And if you want to take a shot, I mean, Jay Shorter has only played four games out of 20 in the last two years. I mean, you could do worse than him in a really deep league or really deep best ball. I think that's just a name to keep an eye on for the waiver wire. Absolutely. All righty. Let's go ahead and move on to our next offense here. And we're going to go talk about the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. The big thing here is Timmy Chang returns as the head coach of this offense. And a lot of people might say like, oh, we don't really know a ton about like what Timmy Chang is going to bring as a coach. Well, let's look at what happened when Timmy Chang was the quarterback for Hawaii. Uh, he passed for over 4,000 yards in each of his last three seasons as a starter for Hawaii. This man is going to want to recreate that system as far as I'm concerned there at Hawaii. And when you got a young guy like Brayden, uh, Brayden Shager, Shager, am I saying that right? Um, I think he's absolutely going to want to uh, try to give his QB that volume. It's a very successful system, especially um, in the Mountain West Conference, where you're able to throw it around just a little bit more, not have as uh, stiff of defenses to go up against each and every week. Uh, and then you also bring back some great pieces, Dedrick Parsons. At running back, I think, is one of the more underrated values in CFF right now. Uh, last year, he ran uh, for 618 yards and eight touchdowns on 117 carries. So he clearly wasn't the lead back, but he is now because you have Day um, Day Hunter has gone off to Liberty. And then, um, why am I blanking on the other man's name? The Calvin Turner. Calvin Turner. Oh my God. I. I, I blanked on that one, but he he's off to the NFL. I forget what team he's uh, signed as a undrafted free agent with, but even so Parsons, in addition to his role last year, had 28 receptions for 279 yards and a touchdown. So clearly he could be utilized in the passing game. So even if this team really takes a shift towards passing the ball around a ton, that's not going to take Parsons out of the game right now. He's going as RB 48 in the June ADP right now, pretty much right outside the 10th round. I think he's a great value in that range. And I think if we, I, I bet you that by this time next year, if Parsons comes back, he will not be taken in that range. It'll be a proven system by that point. He'll probably be being taken much higher next year. And then outside of the quarterback and running back, they got some good options at wide receiver. Zion Bowens is a, is a name that a lot of people have kind of picked out on and have kind of solidified around. My personal favorite guy is Tamatoa Makiao Atimalala. Yes, Andrew P. Katz. I did pronounce that correctly the very first time. And so he, he definitely broke out during the spring. I believe he had about two touchdowns in the spring game. 
Uh, they were using him as a deep threat constantly, so I kind of like him a lot as a guy that could break open any given game. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on the Hawaii system? I'm right there with you with Dedrick Parson. Um, I have him RB33 right now, and I still think I'm too low. I think by the time the season rolls around, there's a chance that I, I have him in my top 24. I just keep moving him up, and I just love the system. I love what they're saying about him. I love how impressive he was in spring. Like, There's so many things working in his favor. I, I think you're so right about that. I, I really, really like him. Um, and I like the, the Chang hire too. He's coming from Nevada working under uh, Jay Nervell, I think is the tight ends coach. Like he's familiar with the air raid system. Like, I think that's exactly what we'll see. I'm, I'm totally in lockstep with you on that. I, I think it's a good offense. Like, I think it will be better than people think. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on board. Yeah, and it may it may be one of those things where it takes a year to really get it kind of going. A lot of offensive systems don't quite have the pieces in place that they need to, don't have everybody locked in as much. But even still, every single one of these guys is going undrafted in most of your leagues. Again, with the exception of Parsons, he's definitely started to rise up in CFF drafts. But even so, everybody else is a great shot to take in the dark later in your draft. Um, I saw that uh, Shager is actually available in most dynasty leagues right now in your supplemental drafts. Absolutely worth picking up. I believe he's only a, a redshirt sophomore this year and not a guy that's going to be itching to go to the NFL anytime soon. So even if it doesn't work out this year, they're going to get that system going by year two as far as I'm concerned. So absolutely, he's worth picking up this year with the hopes of starting this, uh, getting going this year and then definitely having him for next year. Um, yeah, again... I don't really see a ton of um, really downside to just taking a shot on some of these guys. Um, it's like Especially the names I mentioned, Shager, Parsons, Bowens, and Makiala Timalala. I think all of those guys are perfect for you to pick up. And very much is just an underrated system overall going on right now. Yeah, I agree with that. The only concern is, you know, Hawaii lost a lot of talent. Um, True, but they should also have a Over the last season. <laughs> Very true, but also I think they're going to have a much better morale this year because we saw last year they just the entire program was falling apart at the end yeah. of last year. I think having a new new start, new new coaching staff, I think is going to help them out a ton there. And not having an amazing defense probably leads to more high scoring games. So I agree, won't be all that bad. All righty, let's go ahead and move on to the next one here. Chris is another one that you brought up. You got James Madison. The James Madison Dukes moving up from the FCS to the FBS is the newcomers of CFF. Chris, why are we underrating the offensive system for the Dukes? This is a team who, when you look at the Vegas win totals, is between six and six and a half. They expect this team to be good. Depending on what uh, power ranking systems you look at, let's use SP Plus, for example, they're better than six teams on their schedule. They're a quality team coming over from the FCS. Uh, I just, I, I like what they've done the last few years. They went 12 and two last season. Uh, they did lose their quarterback, but they did bring in Todd Santeo, who has power five experience. It looks good in, in starts, but he'll be fine in that conference. Yep. I think Chris Thornton is a quality wide receiver. Antoine Wells transferred to South Carolina, but he did vacate 32% of the receiving yards. That's a lot of production that needs to go around somewhere. I think Thornton gets part of that. I think that Transfer Terrence Green might get some of that. He was Monmouth. He's one of the best receivers in Monmouth's history. I think he's like their seventh all-time leading receiver. Wow. He's a grad transfer. Uh, Kobe White, who's from Boston College, I think he'll get some of that. Um, but the real piece that I'm investing the most in is Percy Ajayi. Oh, I think it's Obisay. 
Okay. He is, um, he was a starting running back the last few years, got hurt at the beginning of last season. And they were forced to pass a little bit more, I think, than they wanted to because they couldn't just pound him for 220, 250 carries. And I think that's his upside this year. A great schedule, games where they're probably going to be leading in at least six or seven. I think a lot of things align for this offense to be productive because the secondaries are terrible in, yep. in the Sun Belt. I just, I like everything that's going on here. Like, I think it's a great situation. It's not a team that you can look at and say, they're a bottom of the barrel FCS team immediately or FBS team immediately. I don't think that's true. I think they're a top, I think they're about a 40 team, but that's still way better than half their conference. I would say like, it, it, it's it's not like they're moving up to the AAC where again, there's a little bit bigger jump in competition compared to some of the other group of five conferences. Some belts hasn't exactly been known for like a quality um, up and down all the way through their conference. So I agree with you 100%. I think too many people are just underrating the team overall. A couple of things I wanted to point out. You mentioned uh, Percy uh, Ajay Obise in his 2022 stats, I think will be enough to get people kind of interested in him. He had 1,216 yards and 19 touchdowns on 259 carries. If he gets close to that again this year, he's going to be well worth where he's going in most drafts right now, which is basically undrafted. Chris Thornton is pretty much the only person that's being drafted in most of these leagues right now. And I don't, I, I'm, I fully agree with it. He's currently going as a wide receiver 32. I think I have him as my wide receiver. Let me look it up real quick. I have him as my wide receiver 19. So like, I still think he's being underdrafted a little bit. Like you mentioned, 83 receptions, 1,097 yards and 13 touchdowns last year. They're just going to force feed him the ball. And with so many, so much production with Antoine Wells, leaving i have to imagine that thornton's going to get some of that and increase his ceiling from last year the other last bit i want to point out point out here i know son todd is not like somebody that inspires a ton of confidence in terms as a quarterback but let's look at the stats that quarterback cole johnson put up last year in this system he threw 422 times for 3779 yards and 41 touchdowns in addition to that he ran 86 times for 236 yards and six touchdowns. That would have been good to finish as the QB8 last year. So right around where Matt Corral was. Now, granted, I think Senteo is probably going to take a little step back compared to that. I think they're not going to throw the ball quite as much because I also think Senteo is not as good of a passer. But even still, take like shave 500 yards out, off of that. You give me a dual threat guy who has an ability, who clearly is in a system where they're okay with running their guy 80, 90 times throughout the season, and he still passes for over 3,000 yards and probably 30-plus touchdowns, yeah, give me the upside of that. He's not being drafted right now. Absolutely worth a shot down there. Yeah, I'm a, I think this offense, the ancillary pieces of this offense, not named Chris Thornton, are underrated. Um, 100%. Especially if you think that you can nail down which receiver is going to be the wide receiver too. I think it's Terrence Green, um, the, the Mammoth transfer. Kobe White's never really healthy. He's fine depth at Boston College, but he just has not been healthy for like two years now. If you're in a deep league, and I'm talking like really deep, you can take a shot because they supported 2,000 wide, thousand yard wide receivers last year. I, Absolutely. I did, it, it's not the worst pick in the world. 80 i'll also point it's not just a thousand yards but 280 plus reception so if you're in a yeah. ppr league these guys are golden for you like again these aren't like deep shots they're taking they're just consistently feeding these guys these balls constantly so you're gonna absolutely love that all righty i think we can move on to the next wide or the next offense here 
We talked a lot of G5 teams, so let's move up to the Power 5 here. Let's go to West Virginia, where you have offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, former offensive coordinator for USC, an air raid guy, coming in as the offensive coordinator. A lot of us have really kind of grown up and moaned the West Virginia offense outside of, um, I'm blanking on his name again, West Virginia running back last year. Uh, man, I'm, I'm having a tough day too. Um, Letty Brown. Letty Brown. Letty Brown. There we go. There we go. Outside, outside of Letty Brown. Two, two brains working hard on this. Oh, yeah. Our, our, our combined two brain cells are really rubbing against each other trying yeah. to create a spark there. <laughs> um, Letty Brown. Uh, we didn't really invest in this offense really outside of Letty Brown. We all loved Will Greer a couple of years ago, but again, they really moved towards the run with Neil Brown as the head coach there. But now he brings in Graham Harrell. Again, it's going to be a much pass-happier system. You bring in JT Daniels, who um, never got to start a full year under Graham Harrell, but was the starting quarterback for Graham Harrell's first year at USC before he tore his ACL. Clearly familiar with the system. Very much on a, on a mission to have one last um, ride before he goes off to the NFL. And he's going undrafted in most leagues. And then there's two wide receivers here that I think people really need to take a, a greater look at. Bryce Wheaton is currently going as a wide receiver 75 in most leagues, pretty much right at right at the end of the 14th round. And then Caden Prather, a talented or a talented um, redshirt freshman, he is going as a wide receiver 94 right now, and pretty much is getting close to the end of being undrafted. Uh, pretty much in that 19th, 20th round is where you see him kind of come off the board. I think that, like, again, just overall, if this, if Graham Harrell was still at USC, we would be, we would be sitting here just running over each other, trying to pick up these wide receivers for the system. But now, because he's moved on to West Virginia, it's not quite as sexy of a school name. We're kind of ignoring it. So what do you think, Chris? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I prefer Prather. I'm surprised he's going after Bryce Ford Wheat. And I think Prather is the more explosive option. Uh, he's in his second year. He he's got outside size, like of a real alpha receiver, um, and that probably meshes kind of with what Harrow wants to do. We saw him feed uh, the Amon Ross St. Brown types. We saw him feed the Drake London types. So, yeah. I I think Ford Ford Wheaton is going like six rounds ahead. That's that's kind of crazy to me. Um, you just have to hope JT Daniel stays healthy. Yeah, is 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 really what you're looking for because behind him is. I don't know. A lot of people like Nico Maricol, who's the freshman, but he's, I don't think he's ready to run Grant Harrell's offense. So I, I like it. I, I think Prather's a great value. You know, I, I agree. I think Markiel, if they do have to go to him, is definitely going to cap the ceiling of this offense in 2022. But if, with JT Daniels at the helm, with the number of years of experience that he has with it, I think he's absolutely going to tear it up so long as he stays healthy. I could, um, I think somebody asked me like what was his ceiling and i think i pretty much said like go look up will greer's last year's stats and i thought it was pretty easily he could reach that level so if you liked will greer in his last year i think you'll love jt daniels and again he's going undrafted which is crazy to me so i think that absolutely worth a shot the one thing i will say though is that this did definitely kind of push back on the running backs for this system because again i was i was on board with tony mathis at the very beginning of the offseason i'm like all right he's the next guy up after letty but harrow's offense has never really been that great at producing um high production running backs so i think i'll probably stay away from those it's all about the passing game just like in any air raid system pretty much 
Yeah, I like Tony Mathis too, but I've, I've, for the same reason, I've soured a little bit on him. He could prove me wrong. He could prove me wrong. And maybe if maybe if Daniels does get hurt, they have to go back to the run a little bit. We'll see. All righty. Let's move on to your next one here, Chris. You're going Charlotte, the 49ers. What's, it, what's there to be excited about in the 49ers? How bad their defense is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, they're currently ranked the worst defense, 130th defense, sorry, not 131st. 130th defense in SP plus last update. I agree with that. They ranked 127th last year. Um, EPA per play, they ranked 125th. This is a bottom five defense, but no matter what. Over the last game of the season, nine games of the season, they allowed 39 points per game, and they allowed 42 points per game over the last six of the season. Jesus. They scored more than 28 in eight of 12 games. This is an offense that can score. I they ranked 31st in passing success rate last year. I think Chris Reynolds returning is probably a good thing for this offense. Um, it won't be super explosive, uh, I, I don't think, but I do think that it will have enough volume to sustain a high-end receiver and then maybe one or two quality players. So my pick here is Grant DeBose. I think Grant DeBose is the, um, the wide receiver one to have here. I think Elijah Spencer is a really interesting player. I think that Dirk Tucker is really interesting. But I'm going with DeBose, and I think that he can – outperform expectations yet under a thousand yards this year. I think he goes over that. This offense is going to play catch up basically every single game. It, or, or it's the defense is horrible. That that's what's to be most excited about 42 points per game. In the last six on they allowed. So I like Charlotte. See, that wasn't even going to be the direction I took this with is that I think this offense is kind of going underrated mostly because again, Charlotte is just a very unsexy system. Like it, it People love being like, oh, yeah, I have the Kitley quarterback. Or, oh, yeah, I have uh, the top running back in a Sarkeesian offense. But, like, if you sit there and say, like, oh, yeah, I got the top quarterback in the Charlotte offense, they're going to be like, uh, that sounds like he'll be a great backup. But he's not just a backup. Chris Reynolds was the QB 31 last year overall and had three top 12 finishes throughout the year, which was better than anybody in that range for QBs. Definitely a little bit of a boomer bust guy, but absolutely worth taking your shot on. Because like you said, Chris, I think they're going to have to pass even more this year. And I think there's going to be more finishes or top finishes for him in the cards this year. And again, I looked at ADP. He's going undrafted. Grant DuBose also going undrafted. These are guys that, like you said, they're going to be playing catch up constantly. Pick up these guys, roll late in your drafts, and I guarantee you, you are not going to be super disappointed with this system overall going into some of the early on games yeah they so they did pass at the 47th rank neutral game script pass rate that's pretty low like i think i think like you said i think they're gonna pass a little bit more on early downs and there's also uh, it won't just be catch up there's also just not a running back really on this team that like strikes us as like oh that's clearly the guy they're gonna want to pound him for 25 30 times a game i think they have to rely on the passing game yeah, they, they, their backfield split is pretty weak. It's almost going to be probably 50-50 again between Schreider, Bird, and Calvin Camp. Um, so neither really return value at that. And the offense is so bad, or the game scripts will be so bad that you're not going to get a guy who has 200-plus carries regardless. Nope. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I'm totally with you on Grant DeBose, by the way. Again, Victor Tucker's also interesting, but I think DeBose definitely is the guy to look at here. Alrighty, I think we can move on here. We're going back to the Power Five, sticking in the Big Ten this time. 
we got Nebraska. And I, a lot of people are like, guys, we're tired of the Nebraska hype train. Can we stop with it this year? And I say no, because they gave me reason to believe once again for this offense with the hire of Mark Whipple which to me was one of the more surprising hires of the entire offseason. I thought if Whipple was going to leave Pittsburgh, it would go for a much higher tiered program. Like somebody who is looking for an offensive coordinator might go after him. But no, he moves almost laterally to Nebraska. And he has brought in, it looks like, the pieces that he needs to continue running his offense. Again, there's a little skepticism that you can start running the system in year one. But you bring in Casey Thompson who, while I think definitely needs to work on his short game passing, I think is not afraid to chuck the deep ball, which Whipple definitely likes to do at times. Trey Palmer, a talented wide receiver coming in from LSU, can easily fit that slot role that Addison did last year. And if if this system clicks and you are looking at them successfully running the system in year one, take a look at what happened last year. Pickett was the QB5, Addison was the wide receiver 2, and... Both Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer are going nowhere near that. Casey Thompson this past month so far has gone as the QB 37. Um, So he's basically like your second backup quarterback off the board for most people. And then Trey Palmer is going as a wide receiver 53, which to me is still just such a crime. Like that, like he has an absolute, like you're talking about one of the highest upside guys just based on system in the entire country right now and you can grab him as your fifth wide receiver off the board um and then in addition to everything else nebraska's running back room is just a mess right now and we saw last year it with um pittsburgh that when the running back room's a mess and you can't really generate the yards on the ground that he wants to they're more than happy to go to the air and chuck the ball over the field and i think they can absolutely do that again with casey thompson with Trey Palmer. Marcus Fleming's also interesting as well. Gives them multiple options there. What do you think overall, Chris, about the Nebraska offense here? Uh, I, I'm pretty much in agreement in the passive game. I think Trey Palmer's a really good value. I kind of like... I think the tight end... Not tight end. I think the running back could surprise, though. I think this could be Anthony Grant. Personally, if I had to, if I had to forecast it, this offensive line was pretty good last year. Um, it was a top 60 unit, but they play in the Big Ten West, and you don't need to have a great offensive line to really tear up some of those defenses. Um, they got big boys from like the flyover states, but I mean, I I don't know. I think that this whole offense could be better. I think if the passing game improves, that should elevate the run game in turn, and I think sure. you could have an, an offense that clicks pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's going to be Anthony Grant, though, and so that's what keeps me from drafting him a bunch. I think it will be Ramir Johnson's the guy that a lot of people are also talking about, but I think I agree with you. I think this offense under Mark Whipple is going to be much better and they should have been better last year. Like they were three and nine, but they were really like a six and 16. They really were again that the, the, I, I kind of felt bad for Nebraska fans last year. I uh, was just losing so many close games there. They didn't have a special teams coordinator. Nope. And especially teams was like the worst game in the country. I mean, what do you expect? Exactly. Um, the only thing that kind of keeps me off of like the running back room again is the fact that the top running back from last year, Ramir Johnson, granted they were shifting guys constantly throughout the year. Like it, fe- it never felt like they settled on one guy, but you still, Ramir Johnson finished as the RB 121st last year, which is just, ugh, don't want that. So if that's what we're looking at again at Nebraska, I can't say I love anybody for this system. 
Yeah, and Mark Whipple rotated a lot too at, yeah. at Pitt last year, so you don't know if he'll land on a main back, and he probably won't. Probably not. That's again. That's why I'm kind of off the running back room. But again, I love Casey Thompson, especially Trey Palmer's value right now. Absolutely underrated. And again, we'll see by next year with Whipple that if he stays in Nebraska again, I guarantee you we're going to be drafting the Whipple quarterback and the Whipple wide receiver a lot higher next year. All righty. Next one. This one's all you, Chris, because I'll be real. I was I was surprised <laughs> on this one. But Chris, you are advocating that the Bowling Green state falcons are an underrated offense going into 2022 sell me sir a big thing is consistency here they lose terry malone he became a analyst offensive analyst for lsu but they did promote internally they promoted greg no salt and they promoted promoted wax max warner last year they threw it in the eighth highest neutral game script pass rate top 10 pass rate from bowling green they return Tyron Broden, who's an explosive downfield weapon. I mean, he had games over 100 yards a couple times. He only played in nine games, 16.6 yards per catch. I think he can do that again. Um, Austin Osborne also returns. I think that he's a pretty good weapon um, who can play in the slot. Christian Sims returns, who's one of the best, I think, more underrated tight ends in the country. He was second team all Mac last year. I think that he's going to be a play a much larger role in this offense. He didn't play all in all the games. I think he only played in 10. Um, but most importantly, they return two of their best offensive linemen and add three legit impact transfers. Um, Marcel Mendiola is the kind of crown jewel of their transfer class. Uh, he, I believe he's a tackle. Um, he could play both guard and tackle, but Last year, they ranked 117th in line yards. And if they can make a jump even like 30 or 40 spots higher, the whole offense is going to improve because Tyron Brody needs time to get open downfield and he's their best playmaker. Christian Sims can do work in the middle of the field. I, I think he's a pretty good tight end overall. Like This dude was second team all Mac, and he's a great blocker. Oh, and if we can get a jump out of the offensive line, I think Terry and Stewart could be a running back who puts up numbers in good matchups for you. And if you can predict what those good matchups are, i.e. in conference back games, you can have a couple good players in this offense. Matt, Matt McDonald returns at quarterback. There's a lot to like here. I, I, I think and a lot of that is based on consistency, but a lot of that is if the offensive line takes a jump, I think you're looking at a better Bowling Green team than people think. It's a big if. But again, returning starters can definitely always help improve, but it also can bring back the problems that were key last year. Thankfully, they only return their two best. Okay, that's good. So... so. That is, that is definitely good. And also, I just looked up Broden uh, on my stat sheet from last year and everything. And you're absolutely right. Uh, definitely had some games where you would have loved to have had him on your team. He had two 25-plus fantasy point games last year. So you're right. If you can predict those games, definitely is a great guy. But again, that's not somebody I'm wanting to draft. But Terrian Stewart is interesting to me because he split heavily last year in the running back field. I believe he only has 77 carries on the entire year. What do you think happened there, Chris? And why do you think it's changing this year? Because that was on Terry Smith, Terry Stewart last year, but then he kind of poo-pooed it for me. So I think part of what happened last year is the offensive line just played so poorly that they need to figure out a way to rotate guys in um, and get different box counts. And so I, like, I really think that. With, with Terry and Stewart, because he was good as a freshman. Like, he was. He was a quality player as a freshman. That's really hard to do um, 
for Bowling Green. So I wonder if they're they're trying to get different looks and try to get their guys more available. They're trying to put other players in to be more involved in like passing situations. I think they're trying to do basically anything they could to um, to get like different production out of the offensive line. I think he's going to be better this year, though. Um, he the offensive line will play better, and I think he's their most talented running back. And so that's me making a projection, but I also think that he's like the most talented guy in that room. Fair enough. Um, and I'm also definitely with you on Christian Sims. I think he's definitely a great flyer. Um, and you got you kind of love tight ends that just kind of come out of nowhere, where it's just like, all right, here's a really bad team, but the tight end's kind of interesting. Yeah, like 420 yards in like 10 games last year, which that's not great, but if you're going to catch like six or seven touchdowns, and you're going to improve on that this year. I mean, that's a guy who you can start, especially in two tight end leagues. Yeah. Oh, 100%. All righty. Let's move on to the next one here. Uh, Chris, you kind of cheated when I asked you for teams. And I said, give me five. And you sent me six. So I'm stealing one of yours. I'm going to steal the Georgia Southern okay. Eagles here. Uh, and I'm going to, I'll take over the talks here. But basically, we finally get the Georgia Southern Eagles to come into the 21st century with their offense. Getting rid of the triple option. No more triple option in the Sun Belt. They're going to try to run. They're actually pretty much going the complete opposite here. They're going with Clay Helton. Clay Helton clearly has been trying to run a more pass-heavy system at USC for the, uh, pretty much since he has been a head coach there. And he's brought in several different pieces I think he's absolutely going to be able to use. They have a real quarterback in Kyle Vantrese. I say that extremely, like, skeptically because I don't think Vantrese is that great of a quarterback. But even still, I think he is a good enough quarterback he can at least knows the concept of a forward pass and passing more than 20 times per game. So I think he can definitely succeed there. And then they also have some really nice pieces that Chris, you and I have talked about where I really like Jeremy Singleton this year, uh, transfer coming in from Houston. I think he knew, he knows that this is a volume offense. It's going to get the ball to him a ton. And you really like Derwin Burgess, who was here at Georgia Southern already a program guy. Again, because they didn't pass a ton, wasn't utilized a whole ton, but it looks like now could really utilize, um, really utilize him pretty well. And then I'm also going to take a little bit out of your Charlotte uh, talking point here where Georgia Southern's defense was awful last year, especially their passing defense. So if they're constantly caught in those, pa- those shootout games again, it doesn't even matter if this is going to be a passive system or not. Their game scripts are going to force them to pass the ball a whole, a whole lot more. And I think, again, Jeremy Singleton, Derwin Burgess, both going undrafted in most leagues right now, absolutely worth a shot. Um, I have picked up, I've been in two dynasty leagues right now. Both of them were available in the supplemental, or the one supplemental I was in, both of them were available. And in the startup, obviously, both of them were available. In the startup, I picked up Singleton. In the um supplemental i have picked up derwin burgess because he's still a young guy he's probably going to be there for a couple of years even after this i don't think he's itching to go to the nfl absolutely absolutely worth it for me there and then i know you like jalen white quite quite a bit chris um and i definitely like the look of him my problem is that clay helton has not produced a thousand yard back as head coach since 2017 and that was ronald jones jr who did that and i don't think again as much as i might like jalen wyatt and like what i saw i don't think he's quite ronald jones jr so what overall do you think about this offense chris and like what pieces are you targeting so i like durenberg just a lot like you said 
Um, I think the most underrated coordinator hire is actually on this offense, and it's Brian Ellis, the offense coordinator um, who spent last year at Western Kentucky, was also the wide receivers coach, was there at Western Kentucky, I think, between 2014 and 2017 and 2018. Um, He coached when Brandon Dowdy had like his 4,050 touchdown year. Um, He then went to USC, worked in the quarterback room with Clay Hill. And like, this is a guy who's been around high-powered passing offenses before. Yep. He knows what he wants to do. Like, I think Brian Ellis is a really sneaky system hire that's going to go way under the radar for a lot of people. So I'm really intrigued by that hire and what it's going to do for the entire offense for all the reasons you just named. Um, I like Jalen White because I think Jalen White can be involved in the receiving game as well. Um, So I think that has a a little bit more upside. Um, But, you know, J.D. King was lead back last year and he's still there. I just... I think White, it's an interesting role that White's going to have. Um, but I still like him. I'm willing to take him at like the end of drafts. Um, yeah, or like, especially in C2C leagues, but more even more in like a CFF Dynasty League. Yeah. Oh, I guarantee, like, I am currently in a 25 round supplemental CFF Dynasty draft right now. I guarantee you, Jalen White's probably going to still be there after the 20th round because nobody's really talking about this offense yeah. hardly. Again, I've been able to pick up these receivers in both of my drafts so far. Uh, Singleton, did uh, I did miss out on him, but in my supplemental draft, mostly because, again, I'm trying to go young with that team, and Singleton's already a junior, so I figured I'm like, you know what, I'll just target Burgess and kind of go from there. I think Burgess could be a really productive group of five receiver in the next couple of years. Um, he's young. He's uh, he's either a true sophomore or a redshirt sophomore. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I, I mean, he's, he's a young dude. Yeah. I think it's a true sophomore off the top of my head, but um, I can't, I can't, I'll have to check that later. Um, but I'll ask you this, Chris, because of this system and everything, do you think it's possible that both of them are a thousand yard wide receivers by the end of this year? If the quarterback wasn't Kyle Van Treese, yes. Like if I'm applying the Todd Santeo principle here, like I think he's good enough to be a quarterback in the Sun Belt, but I don't know how good he actually is. Fair. Um, I do think there's a chance that we get a thousand yard receiver here though. Oh yeah, I I, could, I I don't think it's I don't think it's impossible. Um, I just really like the hire of Brian Ellis. Like I think that he he's a really good duo with Clay Helton. Like I think they could do some damage here. I think this is a perfect landing spot for Helton as well. Because again, I think you go from USC where the pressure's super high, people are constantly kind of pushing on you. Um, but then now you go to Georgia Southern. There's not a ton of expectations. They're relatively new to the FBS uh, compared to a lot of other schools, and so. They're like, hey, if you can get us to a bowl game each year, we'll love you for it. And I think this is a perfect spot for him to just kind of play around, change up the system there, basically do a rebuild for Georgia Southern in terms of shifting their offensive identity. Should be a ton of fun this year and the years to come. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm tentatively excited for what's going on in Statesboro. All righty, let's hit up. We got two more offensive systems we'll touch on here. And Chris... First one you want to talk about here is the Troy Trojans. So, Chris, what is there to be excited over in Troy, Alabama? So, I thought Gunnar Watson was okay last year. I didn't think he was spectacular. I thought he was passable at times. Um, But I'm kind of interested in see what Peter Costelli can do. He's a four-star transfer in from Utah. I think he can elevate this offense to a higher ceiling than than we really saw. I know Nate Marquise does not like Joe Craddock. He thought it was one of the worst hires. (laughs) Uh, for an offense coordinator. Um, I don't know how much stock I can put into his previous experience. Like at Arkansas, those were some really terrible teams. Yeah. And when he had a team that was actually not terrible, um, 
he was an above average neutral game script passer. Like he's putting confi- confidence in that offense to move the ball a little bit downfield, at least above at above average rate. So I I'm willing to withhold a little bit of judgment here. Um, this team quit last year under Chip Lindsay. Like they quit like six games into the year and were horrible for it. Um, I think this offensive line is going to improve. I think they return. I think all five starters or at least four starters. Um, they ranked 127th in line yards last year, but that was a lack of consistency as, along this group who wasn't trying anymore. I think they could be better than their personnel indicates. Um, I think the two players that I want in this offense is Ted, Ted Johnson, who I've talked about everywhere. Yes. This dude has 22 mile per hour speed is really strong. Despite being 155, he's just an explosive option. Like I think he's a really quality receiver, um, especially at Troy. Like he's definitely the alpha there. They lost their second leading receiver. I think they lost their fourth leading receiver too. He's going to get fed the football and he had a good year last year too, all things considered. Um, yeah. I also like Kamani Vidal. I, I think Kamani Vidal is a really interesting player. Um, B, he was splitting time with BJ Smith, but BJ Smith is out of eligibility. Um, he can catch passes. He had 22 receptions last year. BJ Smith at 21. I think if Vidal can assume a larger role this backfield, I think that he could be a thousand yard from scrimmage player. Yeah, no doubt about it. Again, I, I forgot to check the ADPs on Vidal because he has been drafted in a couple of leagues that I've seen. But uh, Tess Johnson pretty much goes undrafted everywhere we look. Uh, Gunnar Watson, again, if you can trust him enough to pass, he's going undrafted in er- most areas. And then, he, like you said, Peter Caselli, if he takes over, uh, he's got dual threat ability as well. That can make it pretty interesting as well. So definitely. It's a, some- a, yeah, it's just sneaky offense. I yeah. It's, just, it's got like a little bit there that you can see a higher ceiling. I definitely agree. And again, out of all the guys, I personally like Tess Johnson. Again, he had some pretty consistent games last year. I was looking at his performances last year. Uh, He had a stretch where he had uh, 18, 16, 15, 17 points each game. And like, again, not the high upside, like 30 point score kind of deal that you might want from your receiver. But if you're looking for a guy that is consistent, you're missing your guy for the bye week and Tess Johnson's just kind of sitting there on your bench. Absolutely would love to just plug him in any given week. Again, he'll, especially in a half PPR or PPR league where he's going to get fed the ball uh, six, seven, eight times a game. I think you'll appreciate him. And he falls into a really similar bucket that um, Tyrone Broden does. They were talking about earlier for Bowling Green. If the offensive line improves, a guy who operates um, with speed can be a primary beneficiary. Like Tess Johnson's eight out was not that high last year, but that doesn't mean it has to be that way. He could take an expanded downfield role. And I think he can do it despite, you know, he operates from the slot a lot of the time. He's a small guy. He's 155. Um, But I really think that there could be a higher floor again, if we see improved offensive line play. And so that's the caveat to a lot of these, Yeah. but there's reasons for optimism. Hence why I think these players and teams are underrated. Yeah, I definitely can agree with you there. All right, let's touch on one last offensive system here. Uh, we're going back to the MAC. I'll, I'll throw my MAC team out here. I'm going to go Western Michigan, and you might be telling me, Jared, this doesn't feel like an underrated system, but not when I look at the ADP. So, to me, Western Michigan has always been one of the better teams on offense in the MAC. And last year, you had Caleb Ellaby who at first I thought was going to be a disappointment in the year. And then I realized it mostly came from the fact that he just didn't score a ton of touchdowns because he threw for 362 times for 3,277 yards. Again, only 23 touchdowns for all that work, which is a little disappointing. But he did run the ball 87 times for 64 yards and six 
touchdowns. That was good enough to be QB 36 last year. He's gone. Jack uh, Salopic takes over. He's a dual threat guy. Looks very good in the spring game as far as I'm concerned. And he brings back Corey Crooms as his wide receiver one. Obviously, Sky Moore, which is an absolute monster last year, has some incredible games near the end of the season that made him go up to wide receiver seven. He finished with 97 receptions, 1,292 yards, which is an absolutely incredible volume, 10 touchdowns for him. But he's gone to the NFL. Uh, people are loving him at the Chiefs. And then in addition, Jalen Hall gets out of town. He's at Western Kentucky now. So who does that leave? Again, it leaves Corey Crooms, who is the second leading productive receiver last year with 44 receptions for 768 yards, six touchdowns. He's pretty much the only guy left that was, that was productive from last year. So I fully expect him to be the wide receiver one again this year. And if you're telling me that a guy who is currently going as wide receiver 42 in drafts, pretty much right outside the 10th round, has an upside of 90, 90 to 100 receptions on the year if he truly is the alpha in this in this room, Heck yeah, give me that all day long. Again, Jack Sepulak, a dual threat guy in a high scoring offense. He's going undrafted. That feels wrong. And then Sean Tyler, who finishes the RB38 last year after running for um, 1,150 yards and nine touchdowns, I think maybe even see a expanded role this year. I know a lot of people are still expecting to be split with Ladarius Jefferson, but Ladarius Jefferson started out the year as the main back and kind of faded as the year went on because Sean Tyler just clearly it looked like the better back as the year went on. And so I think we could easily see Sean Tyler just kind of start off as the lead back this year and just keep that and easily outperform his RB38 system last year. Again, he's currently going as the RB55 in ADP right now. So a lot of just undervalued assets here. Chris, what do you think overall? Yeah, I like Corey Crooms too. I, I got to move him up my rankings personally because I've I've kind of had a come to uh come to Jesus moment on him where I just think that he should be going a lot higher than I have him ranked. Um, the only worry that I have is Sean Tyler, and I actually like Sean Tyler. I've drafted him a couple places this year. Is that he's small? He's pretty tiny. He's like 180, 185. Sure. Ladarius Jefferson, I don't think he's like that much bigger, but I don't know if we're gonna get like more than 200 touches out of Tyler. And he had 178 last year. He just ran for 6.8 yards per carry. So do we, he might just be efficient. Um, that offense, Levine has done a really good job producing uh, like good rushers over the last two years. I mean, I don't really know exactly how high his ceiling is, but I do think that he's going to be a consistent producer for you. So I'm, I'm on board with that, especially if you're going to get him in like the late thirties at the position, that's a guy that you can plug in. Oh yeah. I, I, again, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I, again, I let me see what my rankings say. Where do I have Corey Crooms at? Because it's probably too, still too low. I have him at wide receiver thirty, so that that puts him right behind Mario Williams and right ahead of Tyrone Tracy. I could probably move him up still another spot or two. I think because I, I I really like the upside that he kind of brings in that offense, and especially if the number one wide receiver in this system has uh, wide receiver seven potential. Absolutely, give me that all day long. Again, part of that was just the absolute insane game that um Jalen Hall had near the end of the season. Let me see how much did he score in that game? It was something nuts. Oh yeah, it was crazy. It was what where is it? Uh he finished the season with a 30 pointer and then a 50 pointer in the championship week. So if you had Sky yeah. Moore on your team in the championship week, you likely won your championship. Uh but even so that just shows even more just the upside at the position. If they could really train in on one guy and I think it could be Crooms, absolutely worth the investment. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, 
and you know, I said that uh, well, Darius Jefferson's about the same size. Like Darius Jefferson's got about fifty pounds on Sean Tyler. So, so okay, I do. I I do think that could limit his touchdown upside. I don't know if they want to pound the one hundred eighty-five guy into the uh, offensive line on at, at the goal line, but I still think that he's a, a very solid RB three for you. Yeah, I I, I can agree with that. Uh, again, I, I think he can easily get back to 1,150 yards again this season. So. Alrighty, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show. We covered 10 different offensive systems here. I can run through them again real quick if y'all want me to, and I'm just going to assume you want me to. Um, North Texas, Hawaii, James Madison, West Virginia, Charlotte, uh, Nebraska, Bowling Green, Georgia Southern, Troy, and Western Michigan just take another look at those rosters y'all like go ahead and see like if you're late in a draft just take a look at those guys find some guys that you really like you think have some pretty high potential in those offenses it doesn't even have to be the same guys we labeled here again there's some teams like hawaii where we don't know who the wide receiver one is going to be so take a shot on a guy that you find that fits your ideal of a of a top wide receiver maybe you like really tall guys maybe like really kind of short speedy guys Find that guy in the offense and just take the shot on him there. Um, yeah, that pretty much brings us to the end of our show. If you, again, if you order the CFF guide, you will get full breakdowns of all of these offenses and the other 121 teams in the FBS. Um, you're going to get all this information and more. Absolutely check it out. And then, Chris, you are also starting a little series of articles regarding some of these underrated offenses i believe you release your north texas one this week any others that we can kind of expect along the way i think i'm probably going to deviate from the ones we talked here a little bit but okay. i got you know i i have a soft spot in my heart for the uh, buffalo so keep an eye out for a uh, possible bulls preview coming uh, I, I I think Buffalo would be interesting. I w- I'd love to see a breakdown between Mike. I know you're a fan of Mike Washington. I've come along to the Mike Washington train. I picked him up in both my dynasty. Actually, no, I didn't pick him up in the startup because somebody sniped me on him. Uh, but I did pick him up in my supplemental. I think I picked him up by fifth, sixth round because I just really, really wanted him. Um, but I'd love to see the breakdown between him and AJ Henderson. I think that would be a pretty interesting conversation right there. Um, but even still, like, again, y'all check out Chris's articles. He, he does an incredible job with them. So in addition to that, again, I think it pretty much brings us to the end of our show. So, again, um, same thing as always, y'all. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, subscribe. We listen on podcasts. Make sure you follow us, leave reviews, all that good jazz. Uh, again, it's going to be a little bit of a busy week for me. If you are interested in participating in the live mock drafts that we are doing from now on, again, I'm going to try to do one one every single week as long as we have enough people for it um just reach out dm me um i will get you involved with that again this next one's going to be monday night so if you're listening to this on monday it's going to be tonight but in the future they're going to be on sunday nights again i would do sunday night this week but i'm moving on sunday so we're just not going to worry about it that night um so absolutely get yourself involved with it check out some more of these offenses in our cff guide upcoming really appreciate you guys listening and i hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed day yeah.